0: you are not broken. For some of you, this may not resonate. Others may feel like we are about to have a physical therapy talk. And then for some, you are hoping to hear what our interviewed guest has to say. You are not broken. Even if you feel like you cannot get a proper diagnosis, you feel alone in your pain, or no one seems to be able to fix your problems. Today, we talk to a double board certified doctor who she herself was undiagnosed, misdiagnosed, feeling hopeless, and eventually turned to holistic care to finally get her life back on track. I bring you Dr. Renee Wellenstein, who is about to bring so much hope, suggestions, and her wisdom to our episode today. So if you do feel a little bit broken, you might want to stay tuned. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lindsey House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, author. I have been working with clients for over 13 years, passionately changing the culture of health and fitness. I'm out here smashing scales, helping individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life. I wanna change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets and believe in the individualized journey. We are stronger than we will ever accept and beautifully made just the way we are. Keep your eyes on your own paper and trust your own path. Thank you for trusting me and letting me be a constant encouragement through your week. Let's get this motivation started. Welcome to your podcast, Direction, Not Perfection. Happy Podcast Friday. Welcome to episode 140, You Are Not Broken with Dr. Renee Wellenstein. I have to give a quick episode warning before we dive into this interview. There's about to be a lot of information coming your way and do not, I'm going to repeat this, do not feel overwhelmed. The point of our talk today is to expose you to the fact that there are so many different options out there when it comes to feeling better or taking care of our emotional and our physical bodies. I want you to listen and to hear that we should never stop trying to feel better or stop seeking our optimal selves. When one course of action fails and leads us to a dead end, we keep investigating until we find answers. Today, you will hear about holistic care, investigating vitamin deficiencies, metal toxicities, food sensitivities, and a taboo topic of low libido what causes low libido, how do hormonal imbalances contribute to low libido, and what can women do right away to start improving their libido? If I didn't just lose you right there, then settle in for an awesome interview. Okay, please help me welcome Dr. Wellenstein. She is a double board certified doctor who's been working with women for over 20 years and due to her own personal health challenges, she stepped outside the box of conventional medicine to take a radically different approach to heal herself, From the deep depths of burnout, and now she is empowering women to take control of their own health and jumpstart their energy, improve confidence, and reignite their libido. Welcome, Dr. Wellenstein.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you for joining me on this lovely Monday morning. You're making my whole Monday start beautifully. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome. (laughs) Shush, and can you just dive into kind of where you started and now where you have ended up? Can you go into that for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I definitely didn't think I was going to be doing what I'm doing today uh, 10 years ago. So, I am conventionally trained as an OBGYN and what I mean by that is I went to medical school, I did a your your usual OBGYN residency and I had twins in 2004 and that Prompted a move for my husband and I to the country because we were living in a suburb of New York City. It was just a little crazy having twins and both working crazy jobs, crazy hours. Because he's also a physician, so we moved to the country. And of course, what do you do when you move to the country and you are a dar- daughter of a dairy farmer? Is you get the horse that you always wanted growing up. I was seven when I wanted a horse. And my dad kept saying, "No, no, no! I hate horses." He's a cow cow, cow kind of farmer, so. I got my horse, I, and of course, in the true sense of who I am, I rescue animals. So I rescued one off the racetrack. Too much horse for me, and you know that dream horse actually uh, changed my life because I fell off that horse in 2012 and broke my back. And I always say that's where my story begins because I never thought my life would take the series of pivots that it's taken since 2012. Uh, tumultuous time for a few years there, not only the back pain dealing with that and, and limiting my scope of OB-GYN. So because I broke my back, there are certain things even to this day that I'm unable to do. And I was pretty much held captive to the clinic doing pap smears all day, which is not why I got into OB-GYN. I got into OB to deliver the babies and operate really the variety of, of all aspects of women's health. Yeah. So there was that that feature of my life at that point. To come home from, you know, work at night saying I'm just not fulfilled, but not only that, I was personally having some uh, challenges in my health that could not be, you couldn't, no one could put their finger on what was exactly going on. You know, as far as my pain goes, I I had flunked out of physical therapy, pretty much all my doctors were like, there's nothing more we can do because... I was essentially Humpty Dumpty that fell off the wall that couldn't be put back together again because my injury, my back injury was such that it it was inoperable. I had to essentially, there were procedures to help with pain management, but that's about all. So there was that. And so, you know, just again, speaking to your audience of anyone out there who deals with chronic pain, it's, it wears on you after a while. So there was that feature, but then there was this other weird symptoms where I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I was really like very unmotivated throughout the day. All I could think about was like when I could lay down again, terrible cravings. I would have huge energy dips throughout the day. Um, And so when I went, I got to the point where I, I was like, this is debilitating. Not only is my pain interfering with my life, but this inability to really interact with my kids and play and, and do things with them and actually have any sort of friendships, relationships outside the house. I just want to go to work, come home, lay down. So I went to my doctor and of course, what does it sound like, but depression. And back then I had not gotten into the, the field of medicine that I'm in now, which is functional medicine. I was actually in that conventional world where you basically had to shove somebody in a box. So my symptoms did sound like depression, but I remember saying to my doc, yeah, I know that's kind of what fits. Cause of course I'm here diagnosing myself, mm-hmm, right? But I was like, it just doesn't feel like depression. And so I said, I just don't, don't, I've never had depression, but this, but I could see how it could be because I had this life changing event. My life does not look like it looked a couple years ago and I have that low energy and such. I'm unmotivated, but I just don't feel sad. I don't feel like I want to cry all the time. And that's kind of how I envisioned what depression would be like, but because there was no other answer and I was really desperate to feel better. I went on the antidepressants. Mm-hmm. and uh, ironically, I had all of the side effects to the antidepressants, and actually, it did not improve my symptoms. It actually made them worse, so of course, I went back to her about three months later, which is the usual time to see how medication is going, and I told her, and she's like, oh, let's try a different medication, because at that point, it's not that you have the wrong diagnosis. We have the wrong medication, right. so I uh, tried my second medication at that time, and lo and behold, same thing happened. And at this point I started really asking questions. Like, I don't think we have the right diagnosis. I think there's something else going on. And, you know, at this point, my doctor was like, I don't know what else could be going on. I don't know how else I can help you. So I was at the stage where I literally felt hopeless and helpless. I'm like for my back, for these other symptoms, everyone had given up on me. No one else knew what to do. And I didn't even know what to do ironically, right at that same time, I had a uh, functional medicine doctor sort of plop in my lap. Someone connected me with her for another reason. But when I got on the phone with her, she was asking about what was going on with me. And again, it wasn't for my own personal health. It was for something else. And she said, oh, I think you have adrenal, back then we called it adrenal fatigue. Yeah, And I'm sitting in bed. So this is an evening. I'm sitting in bed. And at this point, my husband had gone in to take a shower and I'm got my computer on my lap and I'm talking around the phone and I'm Googling, you know, adrenal fatigue. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these are all the symptoms I'm I'm feeling. How come I didn't know about this? Right. And so she was like, well, of course, you know, we're going to do some testing to make sure it is what it is. But honestly, this can be, you know, remedied by lifestyle changes, dietary changes, some supplements, but we're going to make you feel better. We're going to get you to feel better. And I was like, Oh my God. Like finally, number one, someone was listening to me. Number two, it wasn't all in my head, which I think for a lot of women that experienced what I had experienced, we started thinking that we're crazy, that our Mm -hmm. symptoms are in our head, that you were just going to have to live with it. That's false. And, you know, then she went on to talk about functional medicine. And here I am again, Googling. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, there's this whole area of medicine That I had no idea existed because when you're in the conventional world, which is what I had trained in and lived in for 15 plus years, you have no idea there's another world out there. And can I
0: pause you for a second too? And just ask, did you have any natural walls or barriers already in place? Like when we talk functional, you didn't come into that with any. No, no. It's interesting because as
1: an OB, I also had women come into me uh, on bioidentical hormones, which is more of the functional medicine holistic world. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I really didn't ask quite I did ask a few questions, but in my world there are bioidentical hormones that are FDA approved. So the things that I could prescribe. But I they were on other things that I didn't even know what they were. But quite honestly, as a regular OBGYN, I was between having a family and working crazy hours, I really didn't have time to go look outside of what I was trained to do to see what the alternatives were. So Essentially, I was like, I don't know what those are, but you got a good doc in New York City taking care of you. So go for it. You know, uh, go back to see her. Your exam is great because she'd essentially come to see me for her exam. And ironically, now in retrospect, she would ask me, can you check my hormone levels? And as a GYN, I was just trained to to see if, you know, if there was a reason you're not getting pregnant. So for infertility and to see if you're a menopause. Those are the only kind of hormone tests that I really, the specific hormones that you test for evaluating bioidentical hormones. Those are kind of the only things I knew how to test. So I didn't specifically know what she was asking. So yeah. I, I would actually be humble enough to say, I don't even know what to check to see how you're doing with these hormones. I'm going to leave that to your doctor in New York City, but your exam looks great. You're doing great. Keep doing what you're doing. And so I have to say, coming into the world of functional medicine, I did not have those walls. They were sort of on my radar, but it was like, a like I didn't really even know what it was. And I definitely didn't put up the walls to think that it's quackery, it's not real, or any of the right. things that people say out there. I respect it because I know they were physicians that are providing care to these women that were looking for other sources of hormones. And I would, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I was even of the belief back then, as I am now, we're all in it just to get our patients, our clients, the best results, right. whatever the results are looking for, as far as our health goes. And a lot of times it does take collaboration of a different few different specialties to do that. Yeah. So I, when I came into this world, I was completely, um, I think I was more baffled that it was not more in my face as far as like, this is an option. Um, and again, this was seven years ago, but you know, I, as I'm sitting there speaking to her that night, Googling it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly, because at this stage of my career, I felt like I wasn't changing lives anymore. And that's a, that's a whole reason I gave up my life to medicine. You know, we gave up we gave up a ton of our life in our 20s to go to school, you know, medical school, residency, all the things. And, you know, to do all that and to come home at night to feel like, gosh, I really cannot deliver her baby or I can't do her surgery to make her feel better. I can just do a pap smear. Ugh, that was heart-wrenching for me. So when I saw this whole area of medicine, that number one was going to help me personally, but number two, that I could help women at a different level, really make a difference. And probably the women out there that are just like me, that felt helpless, hopeless, nobody's listening to them. And there are other things aside from what's in that little box of a diagnosis. I was, I was,
0: I was just baffled that this world was out there. So, and before you move on with this too, because I think it's really important for our listeners to hear this, this is a a trained physician, you know, who I feel like you are finding all of this. Because sometimes I feel like people put themselves in this box of like, well, I just don't know enough, or I'm just not in that world. I don't know how to ask that question or how to get myself to this next so just, I guess, permission to our listeners, it's okay to forever be learning. I love the oh, yeah. mention of you saying like, humble enough to say, I don't know, but I'm going to look it up. I'm going to research it. So thank you for bringing all that up. I love this example of, of your life and your journey here. So, okay, keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's almost, it, the story's almost over. And, and this is the condensed story, but essentially what happened that night, uh, she offered me a job. And here I was, I was just trained in Joanne. But she, you know, pointed me in the right direction of where to get fellowship trained. And I immediately, not even knowing this woman, literally, I talked to her for a half hour. But she changed my life so much. in that half hour, I said, absolutely, let's do this. So my husband comes out of the shower, mind you, in a half hour. I said, listen, my symptoms are not depression. I think I have adrenal issues. I'm going to do this, this, this. I'm going to go see this doctor. She's about three and a half hours from where I live. And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm leaving the hospital and I'm going back to do this fellowship in functional medicine and I'm joining her in practice in September. And this was, I think, January. And he's like, how long was I in the shower for? (laughs) And then I realized, that's when I realized. Like I had these gut feelings that I had suppressed for all these years. Like that gut, like, oh my God, this is the right track. This is what you're supposed to do next. Oh my gosh. That's what's wrong with you. Like several hits in one 30 minute period of like, yes, 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 yes. And that's when I, that's when I started listening to my intuition or my gut feeling, but, um, and I decided to completely pivot. And this is my, this is going to help not only my health, but all the women out there that are finding that dead end with their regular docs. And I'm just going to be their extra little, you know, pathway to figure out what's wrong with them. So, yes, So it all worked out. Yes. We, you know, I went back, I uh, did the fellowship alongside still completing my time as an OBGYN at the hospital and took a couple months off to finish out my fellowship, uh, take the exams and then start uh, in an office with her. Unfortunately that brick and mortar closed after about four years because functional medicine is not standard of care. It is usually out of pocket payments. Um, right. Even though we would submit um, the sh- the billing sheets, they could submit up to their insurance companies. Uh, it took a few years because in my area, people don't know what functional medicine is. So there's a lot of education going
0: mm-hmm.
1: on. Um, I think it was 350 patients was on my roster when I, you know, when I, when we closed the practice. So I had comp- whole families that were coming to me and friends of friends. And so by the four-year mark, we really had grown and. Uh, word had gotten out what we were doing and, and obviously changing lives. And I would get the most complicated women coming in and men at that point, I had it four years, I worked with men as well um, that would come saying, I saw this doctor, this doctor, this this doctor, and they can't figure out what's wrong with me. Or they just wanted a different way of, of dealing with their symptoms, not necessarily the medication. They were willing to put in the work to really change their life. So So now I'm completely online, still doing what I'm doing, still loving what I'm doing, still in functional medicine with a little bit of women, you know, OBGYN background. Obviously I'm still board certified in that. So,
0: okay. You have to take us through a sample client then because you're, you're completely online. What does this visit look like? How does somebody even start in this process?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, what happened is I took my 15 years plus of OBGYN which in that typical office visit, it's anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, there's a reason. And I try to, when I'm out online and I'm hearing everyone complain about their docs, that was me at one point. So just to know that your docs doing the best that they can do in the time that they've been given. And a lot of times that time is out of their control because I would have sometimes because of the demand, three patients in a 10 minute period. Yeah. So my my personality is such that it depend on the the what the visit was for, how much time I would spend with her. Obviously, if someone's coming in with a miscarriage, I'm not going to spend two minutes with her. mean, you now like she's it's, she's crying. I'm sitting sitting down and taking time with her. And it got to the point where my patients understood that that that's my personality. That's how I take care of women. But just know, like in the real world, when you go see your doc, you know. Try not to get upset with them if they're only allowing you one complaint in five minutes, because that's all they really have. That's just the status of our healthcare in this country, at least in the U S. So when I went into my functional medicine practice, it was great that I had an hour with these, these clients, but ironically, it's still not enough Yeah. because what would happen is, um, I would see classically in a visit in the office was they get blood work before every visit, Visits were anywhere between three and six months apart. And again, I was trying to be mindful of the cost, especially in my area. And um, I would bring them back every three to six months. And you have to understand that even to this day, the women I work with mostly are very overwhelmed to say the least, right? And the pandemic has not helped that. So when I have her sitting down across me for an hour and I go through and I'm really trying to teach her about her blood work and what's going on. And then like do all this, like give her 10 steps. Maybe they're changing her diet or, or supplements or what have you. She would walk out of my office at an hour with her head spinning.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Right. And I wouldn't really see that until she comes back three, three or six months later and said, I did one thing you told me because, you know, many reasons. Number one, uh, no support at home. Number two, she was overwhelmed even more implementing all these changes Um, And without having that accountability and support, she really didn't know what to do. You know, I thought she was okay, but she didn't reach out. And now she's coming back feeling like a failure. And I find that with a lot of women, we add on their already busy list of things to do, and then they can't complete them because they're even more overwhelmed. Right. And then she feels like a failure. So when I moved online, there was a few things that I wanted to take out of that. Number one was that overwhelm. And so when I had to design a way of working with women, it was much more of a hand holding kind of way of working, not like I see you once and I don't see you back for six months. I don't, I don't work with clients now like a typical doctor because our relationship is finite. It does end, um, which was another thing that I found in my practice that I would have the same patient. She was probably my last visit as, my, as well as my first visit. <laughs> um, and she had the same exact complaints after almost three, four years and that was not a lack of me educating her every time. It's just, there was no real, cause she knew she was going to come see me at three or six months and we would talk about her problems and we tried to, but she just wasn't taking action on some of the things. Um, And so I found that there was really no, what do I want to say? I don't want to say even motivation, but there was no like end point, you know, like it was just this never ending relationship, which is what you usually typically have with your doctor Versus a lot of, not a lot. I would say probably she was the one end of the spectrum, and then I would have others after one month. And I told them specifically based on symptoms what to do. They were like amazing; they were feeling so much better. In between, so when I moved online, because it is very complicated as a doctor and and licensing, and you know, doing telehealth and this and that, I decided to move it more of a as a uh, consultant or a coach versus their doctor, and have like I said a finite relationship. But that relationship and the time that we're in it together, it's essentially, uh, and again, we co-create a package that's perfect for what their end goal is, but Mm -hmm. essentially some much more, many more touch points with me than a regular doctor would have and much more contact either via Zoom call or a telephone call. Um, And again, tailored anywhere between 30 and 60 minutes weekly, bi-weekly to sort of give them the next steps because, okay, we have to evaluate how you're doing, and then what we do next. So it's kind of like layering on those, those healthier habits, taking out the not so healthy habits to get them to the, to the point where they want to go.
0: So, right. And I love that you're bringing up touch points and accountability is a big thing that I'm always preaching. And it's just that, if we can keep catching people in a quick moment, then we can course correct. Yes. And then hyper focus is another word I like to use with my clients, just on goals, just a hyper focus so that you can really get that one flowing. And then probably the next time they talk to you, you can build on that each time, which is I'm hearing from you. Like you're loving that out of being online. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I just had to say what wasn't working and what is going to, and is it perfect, you know, like we're, I'm still obviously always tweaking, but I do find that this is working much better than having those very infrequent touch points um, and giving them all of the information all at once. You know, it's kind of like, okay, we got that down, let's add this. Even though I know a lot of people like, just give it to me, give it, give it all to me and then keep piling on. That's just not going to get them where they want to go. You know, exactly. we got to really master what we've already been through. And then we, we add on. So
0: Right. What's attainable, what's sustainable. It's that my clients always say, I know what to do. I just need to do it. And that's kind of what you're seeing as well. It's I mean, you're also giving them information they didn't know before, but it's yeah. the, how do I keep that momentum going? And it has to be little by little by because life happens. The road bumps yeah. happen. The barriers happen. So
1: absolutely. yes, yeah. so we serve as their accountability and their support, right. And that their biggest cheerleader, I always say, I'm your biggest cheerleader. Yeah that I, we shorten their course from A to B, you know, like you can go from A to B and take all these side roads because a lot of what we in the healthcare world talk about is online somewhere. Like the health, Mm -hmm. the online world is so there's so much information. I always say, I just kind of weed through all the information and just give you what you need at what point in your journey that you need it as opposed to, you know, storing it all away and not having anyone sort of lead you on that journey.
0: So Right. Right. It's out there. And I always hear people say that, well, I can get them. Yeah, you can get the information. It's oftentimes the delivery and who's going to handhold you through the process of it all. That's where the magic happens. And that's what you're doing. So let's pretend a client comes to you and you work a lot with low libido, which we haven't even really talked about yet. They come to you and they have low energy, low libido. You'd start them with lab work is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So, you know, that was the
1: other thing I had done differently in the past is I relied solely on the blood work that any regular doctor can get. Now with that being said, I interpreted it differently. You know, there was optimal mm-hmm. levels. So there, I'm, I don't believe in the normal, there's optimal. So I would definitely um, look at the blood work differently. However, now what I found I didn't do because of that. And I didn't, again, ironically have enough time to do all the other cool testing that I can do. I don't do that testing anymore. If, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm in healthcare collaborations and I'm just trying to raise awareness for regular docs. So hopefully in the future we can work together. So the docs and I get it. The docs in the office don't want to order some of this blood work because they don't know how to interpret it. And they're medically, legally committed to, you know, interpreting it if they order it. So, and God forbid there's something wrong. They don't know what to do with it. So there's a lot of docs out there that when I have clients come and say, what would you order regular blood work? I say, this, 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 and this, then they'll come back and say, well, my doctor won't order that. Or they'll order just a TSH and not a full thyroid panel because they don't know what to do with it, you know? So Mm -hmm. I get that. So, but I have to say, you know, I can look at any blood work that they've had done. But what I do is, yes, very cool blood work and stool testing that you can't get with your regular doctor. Uh, With that being said, in New York State, it is very regulated, but I can order, which is we were talking before we hit that record that I am leaving New York state in four, four years, but, um, I do food sensitivity testing. We do stool testing. We do heavy metal testing and we do like a nutrient panel to see how their body, you know, is, if their body's deficient in certain nutrients, um, like B vitamins and magnesium and how their fatty acids are doing like their omega threes and how's their inflammation. And so, in my opinion, that's all really cool blood work and yeah, stool tests that you can't and and there's the actually the heavy metal testing is a urine test that you can't get with your regular doctor because I wasn't trained on how to do these tests as a OBGYN. And the information that you can glean from them is is incredible. So
0: like a, a heavy metal test.
1: Oh yeah. Well, heavy metal. I mean, that's, um, you know, a lot of people don't believe that they have heavy metal toxicity because my doctor checked the lead level and it's fine in my blood, you know, versus when we do it and we, I actually do challenge them. I, I give them a, um, what they call a chelator to pull out the metals. Um, and then I don't, I I historically would just abruptly stop it. Now I actually continue it to continue to pull them out. So it just doesn't get deposited back in your body, but essentially we pull them out. They give a urine sample and then we test it to see, gosh, I think there's like 17 or 18 different heavy metals. And it's really interesting because it really lights up the common ones. I see obviously are mercury lead, um, arsenic, which is really high, um, cadmium. I see often, and essentially what happens then is number one is just a reality check that these are high in your body. A lot of times heavy metals do get deposited in fatty tissue, like your brain, and fat tissue. Um, but they just, they just come in your body and they just sit there and accumulate
0: and, and symptoms. Enter- like why would, I'm sorry, I'm trying to give like the common yeah. listener would be like, why would I even know to check that in the first you place? You might not,
1: but you might have brain fog. You might have, uh, they accumulate in your organs, like especially your hormone secreting organs, like your thyroid. Um, that's the biggest one I can, you know, brain and thyroid are the two that I think of mostly because I see a ton of thyroid dysfunction and brain issues, brain fog. Um, So energy, does that play into that at all? It could. Energy is like across the board, (laughs) everything. everything. So (laughs) it's kind of hard to say just energy. You know, I would say pretty much everyone has, in my opinion, a degree, just because of our, you know, our soil quality, a lot of, um, our food quality, mercury is so high because of fish and in yeah. and, and cosmetics, you know, there, and uh, it will lead to, um, so, you know, I think it's a little more eye opening when you do, you may not necessarily have symptoms of, because heavy metal toxicity can cause just a general inflammation in the body, which mm. could look like your hormones not functioning. You know, say you go to your doctor and your doctor says your hormones all look fine but you feel like you're deficient in hormones. Well, that's because at the le- level of the cell, there could be what they call inflammation. So the hormones can't get their message across to the cell, even though you have enough of it in your in your blood. Some of that inflammation could be from toxins, such as heavy metals. So it's very, it's very hard to give a specific like this because they're very, sure. like, can be very vague, like this inflammation, which can lead to all, you know, a a perceived hormone imbalance when your hormone levels are okay, or this underlying degree of inflammation that can lead to all sorts of sources of disease. Um, I think it's a
0: perfect example though, of what you're saying, as far as like being an undiagnosed person, if somebody is really going, I have, I have seeked out everything. And then they come in and they're like, oh, I can check these other things. And, and who knows what, you know, what it might be affecting in my body. But if it's coming up and it's lighting up the screen that they have these metals, then that can yeah. be part of this puzzle, right? So like, I just picture missing puzzle piece, that
1: yeah, yeah. it wouldn't you know, have been I checked. That, exactly. I think the biggest one that's standing out right now when you just said that is I had a former patient in my functional medicine office who was she early um, young diagnosis of breast cancer. And I say young, I think she was in her, um, maybe 40, 39, 40. Out of the blue. And of course, when you get a cancer diagnosis at such a young age and it's out of the blue without a family history, you're like, oh my gosh. So that really put her into my realm of functional medicine and like getting to the root cause why this happened. Where's my inflammation coming from? And sure enough, she had high lead, high mercury, um, and and there were some hormonal contraceptives used in the past. So it was multifactorial, but I don't think the fact that these toxins were having such a huge body burden on her because, you know, we, we have this toxic load in our body. Like our bodies are constantly detoxing from the world, like from the food we put in our mouth, right? The chemicals on our food, the makeup and the the products we put on our bodies, the chemicals in the water we drink, you know, like our bodies are constant medications. If you take medications, we're constantly detoxing, right? We're breaking down our own natural hormones, like our estrogens, But when we, on top of that, put other things like this mercury, like this lead, like this arsenic or cadmium, it really makes our, you know, our body's like freaking out. Like, okay, what do I, what what do I try to get rid of? Like I have all these heavy metals sitting in here and now you're throwing all this other stuff on me from the environment. And so, you know, I do think it just makes your just natural detox process day to day, even more efficient when you remove that underlying, like just that noise, that white noise that you have going on in your body every day from this accumulated heavy metals. Yeah. So, you know, for her, that was a piece of her breast cancer puzzle because she's like, Oh my gosh. And we, you know, it's interesting how you detox people too. Like there are, you know, everyone out there saying do it this way, this way we actually work. I don't want to say conservative, but we just lose use spirulina, chlorella and You know, ironically at three months, she wanted to recheck. And I was kind of pooh pooing like, we can't get rid of these heavy metals that are deep in your body in three months. Oh my gosh. I have never seen such clearance of heavy metals. I mean, this woman was on a mission. (laughs) She was very like, and it wasn't bracket. It was probably glutathione or NAC, which are antioxidants. And, you know, the, the things that try to clear it, like the spirulina, making sure she was clearing them, you know, through her stool
0: and her urine. Okay. So describe all of this for everybody, because most will not know what spirulina is.
1: Um, spirulina and chlorella, they're like from algae. You know, I always say they smell like, um, pond scum. (laughs) Okay. So it's a supplement that you take. It's a supplement. Yeah. And it's a, it's, you know, it's like any supplements on an herb it's from this, you know, algae and, doesn't always smell the best, but it really does. And again, I was using higher doses with her than you normally see in a organifier or what have you, but Mm -hmm. it really, you know, so yeah, supplements, supplements. Supplements. And a lot of times when you're talking about heavy metals, it's, it's identifying where the source is. So for instance, if it's mercury and we're suspecting I've had, again, a recent client, high mercury, she was a huge sushi lover. There we go. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, we conventionally, how I was trained as an OB is like limit tuna fish and women who were pregnant because of the mercury, it's in all the fish now. You know, the big fish eat the little fish, you know, so like the bigger fish have higher mercury because they're all eating all the little fish that are high in mercury. And, you know, so I used to have this pecking order of like the three, four top fish not to eat, you know, tile fish and king mackerel and all these. It's all fish now, you know, and so I think yeah. it just comes down to the frequency of which you eat. The fish, and again, uh, she she was a pescatarian, so mostly obviously fish. But when we realized her mercury was high, it was kind of okay. That's the most likely source, and let's cut down on your fish consumption as well as trying to clear it from your body. Because when you have something that's building up in your body, it's one thing to try to clear it, but you got you have to sort of take measures to decrease introducing it into your body. Right. So I think that's the other biggest thing with testing is like, you know, exactly what we're targeting here. Right. So um, we can try to cut down on the exposure and then try to get rid of it. So you're just, your body
0: functions better. Right. I love that. I think that uh, the food sensitivity testing with that as well, I've had that yeah. done and just to be yeah. able to visually see what's going on, just right. like you're saying with the metals, but to know variety is so important. And then if there's things that, you can see are affecting or causing the inflammation, the motivation goes somewhere totally different than if you just said you should cut this out for calorie reduction or you're like, oh, I can really be positively impacting my body by the reduction of. So I love that you're saying that. I also wanna go into checking of the vitamins. We did that at a center, but that's because we were in a surgical center and it was always interesting to me, the B vitamins, the A, zinc, how many things come back low? Where most people are never checking them, like in a lifetime.
1: Well, you know what's really interesting, the testing I do. So you can check your, historically, when I used to do blood work, we do a B12 and this and that. And it's always like, quote, unquote, normal, or it's a little high. Well, that's in your blood. But when I check these tests, and I typically, when I, because there's so many little caveats to these tests, I mean, they're not just checking This is your B12. This is your B2. They're checking pathways, metabolic pathways in your body that are influenced by, that need the B vitamins to function efficiently Mm -hmm. and certain B vitamins and your methylation pathways and your detox pathways. And so like certain nutrients are needed for each of these pathways. And if we find that the pathways aren't working so well, that's a big thing, thing, thing that you're deficient in certain B vitamins or all of them. And What's really interesting is when I go through this test have always said, and always preach online is like, most people are deficient in magnesium and B vitamins overarching. It's always that common theme of B vitamins. This pathway is not working B vitamins. This one's not B six. This one's not working B five. This one's not working B 12, you know? So it really hits home because like you were saying before you, I can empirically treat or, or rec, make recommendations to a client, Right such as like, okay, what do I most likely see in women and men actually, but I work with women now exclusively, B vitamins are in need, magnesium and vitamin D. Mm-hmm. But when you actually see them on blood tests, it's like, and you know, the overarching theme is like, okay, this pathway is B vitamins. This one's not working B vitamins. This one's magnesium. This one's magnesium. Oh, look at your vitamin D level, which is kind of straightforward, right? But yeah. it's just so much more motivation to say, oh, now I'm not just throwing these supplements on me because they're right. classically what most women are deficient in. It's because I see it on paper. And so there is a degree. So I do have to still be sensitive working with clients online that some not, not all want these, these tasks. Cause they are, they are an investment, right? but the information you get from them is incredible and even more motivating to start the supplements. And you can be more strategic with your supplementation. You know, um, if I don't have the testing, I can make recommendations based on what I see, maybe in blood work you had done or some of your symptoms, but it can't be a strategic of knowing, okay, you know, you, for instance, your omegas or your, your fatty acids are off. So you need some more omega threes. How are we going to do that? Not necessarily just a supplement, maybe more of a Mediterranean diet, you know? So which without that blood work, I don't know if I, I obviously would know the levels of your different fatty acids. So.
0: Right. You're really treating the, the person, the exact person you're working with. Oh, so interesting. Call yourself the libidoologist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I know I'm kind of switching gears here for a second, but how did, how did that all come to be? And that be more of like your specialty? That's got a story too. <laughs> okay. You know, I love, love it. It's always a story. And I,
1: I find like, you know, you always hear people on how they got to do what they're doing. And it's like, so it didn't, it, I didn't wake up one day and say, I want to focus on libido in women. What happened is it's been years of this. Libido is a hard topic, right? That's why you don't have more doctors out there talking about it, because there is not just one study out there saying women with low libido, take this pill, right? So for 15 plus years as an OBGYN, I had women come into me and, you know, they come into me, you know, don't have a period, this now. Okay, I got that, I got that. Well, when they came in and said, I don't have a libido, I'm like, what do I do with that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Because as a conventionally trained OB, I'm all about, okay, what is the most latest study that came out supporting a medication? Because that's what we do. We put you in a box, diagnose you, and give you a medication. Without that, I didn't know what to do. So back in the day, number one, I wouldn't even go towards the subject. I would never ask a woman about her libido. And when she came in, I was just sink down like, oh, probably like one a month would actually like come up and say it. Yeah. Um. You know, and there was back in the day, and I think it's off the market now, there was one hormone replacement that had testosterone in it. And in retrospect, prescribing it for some of the women I did, I'm like, oh, I was killing their livers because of testosterone and i in the estrogen and i probably wasn't doing them any favors with their libido because what i had come to realize in that 15 years is that i think it's more than just testosterone because i would have women that are in their 20s complaining about low de- libido all the way up to their 70s actually ironically 60s 70s not so much 40s 50s yeah like even the you know younger girls so even back then, unconsciously, I've started to think like, gosh, like number one, I need to help these women, but number two, what is it? So then I got into functional medicine in my practice and I started to play a little bit more and I started prescribing exclusive, like just testosterone cream to find that it didn't help the majority of women. It helped. I, I'm not against testosterone for women. Uh, it does help with muscle tone you know like we lose our muscle mass as we get older so it does help with that prevent something called sarcopenia which is you know losing your muscle it helps with your metabolism like but i was like i'm just not getting the bang for the buck with libido and sometimes it was rebalancing their female hormones. So like there were other things. And I'm like, sometimes a woman would start losing weight and get it back. I'm like, so then when I got into the online world, I was still helping every, everyone with everything because as a doc, that's what we're trained to do. Leave no woman behind, help every woman with everything. However, 2020 got really loud in the online space, right? Yeah. Everyone is talking about gut health and immune system and, and this and that. And I'm like, Okay. Women are being helped all over with all these things, but what aren't they being helped with? Libido. And so the, the, that's what I am called. That is my name that I came up with because it's the study of libido. And I still, to this day study it, but I do have a roadmap of things I look at. And quite frankly, when I talk to women about libido, when I started to talk about it, a lot of women came out of the woodwork, like, oh my God, it's, it's not normal. And oh my God, I don't have to live with this for the rest of my life. And oh gosh, it's not because I had kids or because I'm in menopause or, and it could be, it's the underlying, like what is going on and how do we address that to get it back? Because they do think it's a death sentence for their libidos when they have the kids, when they go through menopause, whatever. Um, And I'm telling you, I still am seeing it from late teens, 17, 18 year olds messaging me on social media all the way up. And ironically, I'm seeing a lot of women in menopause are said, oh my God, mine's through the roof now. So, and think about it, menopause, women's testosterone is even lower, right? So it's not a testosterone thing. That's men. Like we are not mini men. Like I have a good friend, you know, Dr. Stephanie Estima says, we're not little men. You know, like we are completely physiologically different than men. We have a little testosterone, very little, and our our predominant hormones are estrogen and progesterone. Whereas men, they're very simple. Sorry to say it. If any men are listening, (laughs) they are very simple. They have one main hormone, testosterone, and it cycles just a little bit in 24 hours. We have two hormones that go every which way in 28 or so days, Hmm. you know? And so we are, we have a lot of moving parts as women. We're complex. So when I look at libido, it's just another symptom. There's something else going on. And so you know, for libido, again, I have a roadmap of things I look at the three underlying or overarching themes are underlying are always something to do with mindset and what doctor talks about mindset. But let's, let's be real ladies. If you don't feel comfortable in your bodies and getting naked, are you really going to want to have sex? You know, number two, your relationship. And, you know, when I get someone that talks to me on the phone and says, I can't stand my husband, but I have a low libido. Well, that's not rocket science, you know, but like, that's kind of like a silly example to the extreme, but the majority of women I'm talking to them, when it comes to the relationship, they're just not communicating what they want in and out of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. I have some women that go in there, they're just doing it because to satisfy that their partner and they're getting zero satisfaction because they're not making it known that they want to be number two, when it comes to outside of the bedroom, they're not getting house help around the house. They're exhausted. They're dealing with the kids. They're working. They're cleaning. They're grocery shopping. They're meal prepping. They're doing it all. Their spouses come in. Significant others plop on the couch on their phones, and they're resentful. Yeah. Right. So that emotion of being just resentful to your spouse—like, say what you need. Like, do you need help with the kids? Getting little ones giving baths or doing homework now that school's back in session or whatever. What do you need? They can't read our minds. And number three, the biggest thing has been stress, burnout. Hmm. Women are, are kind of my story of where I came from. They are exhausted from many stress. It could be the relationship stress. It could be from you know past eighteen months in in a pan, global pandemic and and having to navigate things that are constantly changing with kids in school and are, your work and maybe you were out of work and maybe it's finances. And that's taken a huge emotional toll on women. Um, And a lot of women have lost themselves in that last 18 months. They don't have, there's zero self-care. And when I talk self-care, it's not facials and manicures. It's time for yourself. It's Mm -hmm. going out for a walk. It's exercising. It's reading a book. It's whatever your pleasure is. Women now, I talk to them, they don't even know what makes them happy. They don't even know what they like. Right. They're giving everything to everybody else and not, there's no boundaries and they're saving nothing for themselves. So of course they're falling into bed at night exhausted because they've given all they have all day and they just literally cannot wait to get to bed and go to sleep.
0: Man. And so far, I feel like everything you're touching on, nothing has been medical yet. And I'm loving this because this is life in general. Like it's never that simple. It's never walk in and you need a prescription or you just haven't had a lab drawn yet or whatever. Like, first, let's start with the things that we have some control over.
1: Exactly. And that's why I love to talk about it because this is something your audience, they don't need me. You know, yeah, maybe they do for the support and accountability to get them to be more confident. What is it getting in your way? Is it the weight? Like we were talking. Before you hit record, like, you yeah. know, weight, weight gain has been huge and, and women do not feel comfortable in their bodies. And so can we, and again, the weight gain comes usually with eating habits that have evolved out of maybe the stress, um, that have kind of catapulted you into not only the weight gain, but hormone imbalance, which is, is part of my roadmap, you know, whether it be the female hormone imbalance, usually becoming what would they call estrogen dominance, which can lead to weight gain, mood changes. You're a little more irritable. Obviously adrenal hormones, like cortisol can go out of whack, um, with, with poor diet and, you know, stress can throw the thyroid out of whack. So like all of these, it's like this little web, like of interchange. but like, honestly, you start with one. Okay. Mindset. Like, what don't I feel? How am I talking about to myself? I think the stat is like 80% of our th- self-talk is negative in a day, mm-hmm. which is awful. Most of that's stemming from shame. I just heard this in a book yesterday. So like, we, why are we shaming ourselves, you know, of not looking a certain way or comparing ourselves to someone? What can change that? Is it losing weight? Is that going to make you feel more comfortable in your skin? And if so, there, there are things we can do to go about that, right? Relationship, communication, easy enough to do to start speaking up you know, and I'm sure, you know, again, I'm sure your significant other just runs for the high hills when they, cause they don't know if they're going to yell at them, just tell them what you need. And, you know, it's just, it is such a libido booster for women when they see their significant other, like helping with the kids or giving the kids a bath. Like they want to help us generally. I don't say all, but most of our spouses, significant others, they want to help us. They want us to be happy. They just don't know what to do. Yeah. And again, the stress, you know, when it comes to stress, awareness is key. Like what is stressing you out? You can't you know, so many people run around, I'm stressed, I'm stressed about what? And like, do something about it. It may not be an overnight fix, but what are you going to do to change whatever that stressor is? And it could come down to boundaries, saying no, nope, not overscheduling
0: yourself and saying what you need. Yeah. Can we stay on the wait part for one second? Yeah. Because we were starting to talk about this too, where people are making the efforts, they're doing the little changes, they're moving more, they're eating healthier and other areas of their life are, are, they're seeing success, but that stupid scale, <laughs> they're not seeing the numbers drop down and the frustration, you know, rises. Cause it's like, why am I doing all this?
1: Yep. A few things come right off the top of my head. Um, there are really you know, again, when it comes to even libido, I think it's just hormones. A lot of times with weight loss, you think it's just the food. Like how much am I restricting? How much am I moving? Right. And it can go a lot deeper than that. It can go to such things as hydration, like water, you know, um, stress. If you're stressed, your body is going to, and I know this sounds very foo-foo, but like your body, we're, we're made to just to survive right? And if your body thinks that you are dying, it's going to hold on to that weight. And that even comes with severe caloric deprivation. Like if you go like so long without eating adequate calories, your body's going to be like, Oh, I'm going to hold on. It's going to become harder to lose weight because your body's freaking out that you are starving it. Um, but then also can come to that, you know, with other stressors, such as just everyday stressors that your body just holds on to the weight, just like a security blanket sleep. If you're not sleeping, Sleep is so huge. Sleep regulates our hunger hormones. So like, you wonder why you, you, you combat cravings the next day, especially for carbs. If you haven't slept so well, your two hormones, leptin and ghrelin, the things that make you feel satisfied and hungry are out of whack because of that lack of sleep. You detox when you sleep, you know, you integrate memories, so many other good things, but essentially your your hormones going to be out of whack. If you don't sleep, you're going to have a lot less inhibitions to certain foods. You know, you wonder why you wake up and you have no quote unquote willpower because you're exhausted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, it can come down to such things we were talking about before inflammation, chronic underlying inflammation, when we're talking about like certain hormones, not being able to work such as insulin, which is the hormone that puts sugar away. So if you're running around and your, your insulin is not working well. So you have a lot of Blood sugar circulating in your body, that is not going to be helpful for your weight loss efforts. I had something else I was thinking, oh, heavy metals, same thing. Underlying cause of inflammation, hormone imbalance. Again, I was talking earlier about estrogen dominance that will predispose you to weight gain, especially in the midsection. So, and again, why would someone be more estrogen dominant aside from the the time of their life where they're ex- I don't want to say expected, but when you're in perimenopause, your hormones can be a little out of whack because you are not making as much progesterone anymore. You're, I don't want to get too sciencey, but essentially you're, it's just an inherent small degree of hormonal imbalance, but that gets pushed even more. So with certain things like toxins in plastics, plastics, Mm -hmm. especially when heated, you can leach some of those chemicals that disrupt your estrogen, um, fragrances, which are in all the perfumes are called phthalates. They will disrupt your estrogen and make you more estrogen dominant. Certain things in food, such as the hormones that are added to meats will disrupt your estrogen. So this was a question I actually started asking a while back when I started seeing these little girls come in at six, seven years of age with breast development and periods like, whoa, and it came down to our food, food and the, and, and the stuff they're putting on their bodies, all the lotions with the fragrances and the, Bath and body work stuff and such. So like, and it's, again, it's not always just one thing. It's accumulation of all these things together, you know? So, so definitely a hormone imbalance, whether it be that insulin not working, maybe a too high of a cortisol from stress, maybe your female hormones. So to say that we are complex is an understatement, even when it comes to weight loss, you know, and I know it can be really frustrating. Oh, and food sensitivities, like you were saying, that's huge too. Yeah. if you are eating a food that is um that your body just does not agree with that you're sensitive to hopefully you're having gut symptoms but many many people don't and that's where testing comes in because you can do your typical elimination diet and miss something that you're sensitive to that's chronically ticking ticking off your gut <laughs> making it inflamed yeah. And causing uh, gut health in you know disruption and uh, further making it harder for you to lose the weight, and can lead to other things like autoimmune diseases and such.
0: Right. And so I think this is the point where people's heads probably are spinning again. And I know. why I want to bring this up because there is a you out in the world. You know, there are people who can take all these thoughts that you just said. The listener doesn't have to be the person remembering it all and guiding you through. Now we've checked heavy metals. OK, let's like play with that for a minute and then we'll move on to food sensitivity. And the thought I know money is a big barrier for a lot of people. But if we're being preventative and we can kind of do this over chunks or phases as money allows, then like you have said, we have that whole internal picture and then we can appropriately chunk away. at it. And I've heard this too, like pick the lowest hanging fruit, pick the mm-hmm. easiest thing to start yeah. working on that makes sense in your life right now, or that fits your budget the best. And then let that professional, a you handhold you through this process? Because I think you mentioned overwhelm. People do get so overwhelmed so fast because there is a lot of information coming at us. And that's even not the point of this podcast for you and I doing this together. It's to expose people to something that they might not understand is out there. And then once we know it's out there, who do we who do we email? Who do we grab and be on our team? I have a client who calls it her professional dream team and just gathering those resources of who is on speed dial for all of these needs. Cause we are complex and we do have a lot of needs. So I love it. I love how you summarized all of that kind of packaged it up. If, if somebody's listening and going, I want her. How do I, how do I get to her? Where do they go find you? Yeah,
1: well, I always say I have a website. I don't live there, but I do have a website, Dr. Renee Wallenstein. I am across all social media platforms, maybe to my disadvantage. I'm everywhere. I'm okay. on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I do have a free holistic health community called Happy, Healthy, Holistic with Dr. Renee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am really sensitive to the cost. And I know it's an investment to work with me one on one. And I know every woman can't do that, which is why I'm currently uh, trying to figure out because as we would just, and I don't say all this to overwhelm your listeners by any means, but what I want your listener to sort of take away is that she's not broken, right? This is not, this is not something that it will never happen. It will. It's just a matter of, like you said, low hanging fruit, conquer what is like the most obvious. And if you do have your nutrition in check and you know, you're exercising, start checking away at some of these other things. Um, that might be like, oh, maybe that's it. Because I always want the listener to have an aha moment. Like, what's that one thing we said in this conversation? Said, oh, I've not tried that. Let me try that, or get a guide like, like me. Um, I can definitely help. But I am in the process of trying to create more group access, more access to me in a in a larger. Because I recognize women love support. They love yeah. to know they're not alone and they love the the accountability whether it be a woman who's a couple steps ahead of her or a little chiming in from me um so my only big my biggest thing up until now has been it is so personalized as you can see like there's a lot of like little weaving that we just did but i do find there's common denominators with every woman on certain things and then we give the little caveats to personalize it for her so i am in the process as we speak of of des- of designing something again, when it comes to low libido, we talk about all this, this is all an underlying reason why a woman might have a low libido. You don't know, you don't just need that special cream, hormone cream, right? Like I wish it were that easy. If it were, I wouldn't be talking about it. Um, So there is one-on-one work with me. Absolutely. It is very limited because I'm one person and the support that I do offer is pretty, pretty high, pretty intense, um, pretty high touch. Um, But again, I do have a stress, a burnout program that I just completed because again, it's one of the three top reasons why a woman has low libido. So I just wanted to nail that by itself. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to come up with more ways of hitting these, these pain points and and helping women navigate through it as best I can and as cost effective as I can.
0: Right. Uh, Which is quite the feat, but (laughs) you can do it. We need you. I know. Love that the, you're not broken. Thank you. I always ask my guests at the end, like, is there one shout out that you'd say to everyone? And that would be, you're, you're not broken. broken. Don't give up, right? Even if you've hit 20 brick walls, go try another one.
1: Well, that 21st try is going to be the success It's when you give up at 20 that, you know, and say you're broken, try one more time. Just keep getting back up, you know, maybe, maybe you wait a little bit. um, But you're, again, you've, nobody's broken. Every woman, there's help for you and your, your path just might look different than, than
0: your friends. So. Right. Which is the individualized part. Thank you so much for your time today. I will post everything in the show notes. So people know where to find you and maybe we need a part two at some point. <laughs> we, have, we certainly have enough to talk about, right? <laughs> we do. I could I literally talk to you for the next five hours. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today. If this topic served any purpose for you, or you can picture that exact person who needed this, I'm always honored when you share the episode, we are making 2021 the year that we are going to pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also always appreciate it when you leave reviews on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open-minded to new information, keeping an open mind to the fact that our journey will look different now and in five years from now slow and steady y'all it's not always instant gratification and not always that exciting but a much gentler and redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all the years and every season of life i cannot wait to catch up next friday cheers to health and happiness